0: Welcome back to The Lives of Writers, a podcast presented by Autofocus, a literary publisher of artful autobiographical writing, which you can find today at autofocuslit.com or on Twitter and Instagram, at autofocuslit. I am the publisher of Autofocus, Michael Wheaton. Today on the show, I talk with Zach Smith. Zach Smith is the author of Everything is Totally Fine from Moomoo House 2021 and 50 Barn Poems from Clash Books 2019. His writing has been published by Hobart, X-Ray, Modern House, New World Writing, Wiggly, Bending Genres, and various other magazines. All right, let's get to it. This is my conversation with Zach Smith.
1: Well, for a long time, I was in I was in grad school for about four years uh, for linguistics, and it really sucked all the creative energy out of me, <laughs> uh, especially writing. I mm-hmm. didn't really, uh, you know, because it's like with any academic grad program, it's just a bunch of reading and writing for science stuff. So uh yeah i felt kind of like squashed and then when i got like a job <laughs> instead of in grad school where you feel like you have to like be working all the time and if you weren't working and then you felt bad for not working just having like a nine to five meant like i had some of my life back mm-hmm. Uh and so i started getting back into reading <laughs> which was the first thing like for a long time i hadn't read any uh just like fiction books for a few years uh so that was a lot of fun i just devoured a whole bunch of books you know i'd read on the commute and i'd read it at home and stuff and then um and then I just, like, wanted to read more contemporary stuff that was coming out online, and uh, it just sort of... Um, I tried, you know, like anyone else, I tried writing a novel. That sucked. Uh, <laughs> and so I gave that up. And then I tried writing another novel, which also sucked. And then I started writing uh, shorter stuff and figuring out what I really wanted to do.
0: And uh, who were you reading at that time? Any, like, anyone particularly stick out as being, like, particularly influential?
1: Yeah, only think so I think, like... For my birthday, just a few months before I, I got the job, my friend got me uh, uh and My Struggle Book One and a couple mm-hmm. other books and that really stuck with me. I really liked that a lot. So I remember reading that and maybe the first two pretty quickly, and um you know in his in those books I think especially in book two and then later in book five he talks a lot about other norwegian writers <laughs> as mm-hmm. part because he went to like writing school so i started buying a bunch of stuff off the Dalki archive like stig satterrock mm-hmm. and Jan fosse and um uh, the and all these other norwegian really bleak dark yeah, uh contemporary the whole Knauska universe <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, so that was fun and then so that and like some random books like random classic books i bought from these bookstores uh and then I think I I think around the time I remembered uh, how much I liked Tao Lin's old books, and so I uh, tried looking up similar stuff. And I think I bought a Sam Pink book uh, based on like the algorithm recommendation. Mm-hmm. And then I think through that, I think I bought like Ron by him, and I just remember laughing a lot reading it. And then seeing that like you know he was online and still writing, and he had a book on House of Vlad. I made a book by Bud Smith, and Bud Smith was writing a lot, and you had that double bird book out. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's where it felt like a lot of the buzz well, was, or like a lot of interesting stuff uh, that I ended up liking a lot was happening. So just sort of like through there, I think that's how I ended up finding most of the inviolate stuff.
0: The internet's a wonderful place. And I was
1: happy about it. I thought for the for a while of, of all the algorithms, I think thrift books, which lets you buy used books actually has one of the better recommendation algorithms. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Look at that. Useful <laughs> <Yeah>. information. <laughs> um, so what drew you to linguistics, uh, you know, four years before you got into like indie lit, yeah. like what was your mind at? And you were like, all right, I'm going to go to grad school for, for, to study this. Yeah.
1: I think like with anyone who goes to grad school, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> You know, like I went to college, not really knowing what I wanted to do, but it was back when everyone told you to go to college and I guess, uh, my favorite classes at the time were my Spanish classes, cause I tested mm-hmm. into like non-beginner Spanish, so it was actually interesting We like read stories and stuff. And I liked it a lot, but I always had a hard time like just talking to people <laughs> or, you know, doing the things <laughs> you're supposed to do when you're learning a language. And then I had a professor who taught basically the linguistics of of Spanish. Like he taught with that sort of uh, about the patterns and the etymologies and stuff. And that sort of clicked with me. It was like, oh, this is actually what I care about when I care about Spanish. It's not about chit-chat or whatever. So Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: I just took some more of those classes and it really clicked with me. Um, I I was lucky that the school I went to had like a a grant-based a grant funded like email list for linguistics that they would hire students for minimum wage to mm-hmm. like edit emails and update websites and stuff. So I did that. And then, yeah, I just like didn't know what else I was going to do. Um, figured I was going to grad school and try to be a professor. Cause I at uh-huh. that point I'd been in school all my life and I was like, you know, it's, <laughs> I think about it a lot, like when you're a kid and you're just in school, like the number of jobs you're exposed to is very limited. <laughs> and so I think yeah. everyone just thinks they can just teach um, uh-huh. so I did that and then I realized it was definitely not going to happen. Like the academic system is completely fucked. Uh, so yeah, I dipped. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and so the, um, quote unquote, boring office job you have now is completely out of the field of linguistics. Uh, no,
1: no. So I really lucked out cause there aren't, uh, there, there are really no jobs in linguistics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I got this like, uh, it was basically like a computational linguistics role um, for this mm-hmm. tech company for like a, um, for like chatbot stuff and conversational stuff. So uh, yeah, I was able to, it was a good like transition because then I, I felt like I had something to contribute that wasn't just like industry experience. And I worked mm-hmm. with like, you know, like you talk to, to someone who's like trying to sell a product and they don't know how people talk. And so you're like, you know, you shouldn't. <laughs> Uh, expect people to say whatever, to interact with your thing. They're probably going to say this or that. So uh, mm. yeah,
0: that's sort of where I broke in. Cool. And so when you first started, was it, was it, you were writing again, like when you got <laughs> kind of into the indie list, was it writing again or was it really a kind of more like writing for the first time seriously, I guess.
1: Yeah. I think it's probably the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd always had like a few little projects for fun, but nothing, uh,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, i took like i took one creative writing class in college uh which i enjoyed but didn't really do anything with um but i remember enjoying that a lot and in grad school uh when i got super bored and like really depressed i got in my head that i would like start a satirical linguistics like kind of uh like lit mag or whatever Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but no one wanted to contribute to it because it was this really stupid idea. So I ended up just writing everything myself for like two issues and then gave up on it. Yeah. So I, like I had, writing projects that I enjoyed. And I, I wrote some like satire articles for this linguistics website, but it sounds really fucking lame to say it to, to another person. It
0: doesn't to hear it. You might think it's lame, but I took like one linguistics class in college and I was kind of fascinated by it, but I was also kind of humbled by how hard it was. Um, there's a lot, I don't know, to me, it was really challenging. Yeah. I guess there's just, maybe I, uh, didn't know what to expect fully yeah. from like a linguistics class but it kind of blew my mind
1: yeah i mean I, I still think it's mostly pretty cool i just got kind of burned out it's like yeah it's it's a tough thing because yeah like you, i think a lot of people different perceptions of what it's going to be they think it's going to be like voice training or accent training or mm-hmm. like how to how to do grammar good or something but Yeah, it's mostly like, isn't it weird how sounds change?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about your relationship and friendship with, so I wasn't familiar with him until I read your work, but uh, Giacomo Pope and kind of how that started and... um, yeah. yeah sure. I mean it was yeah. pretty fruitful. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was pretty <laughs> fruitful. You, you have one collaborative book together yeah. and then you guys kind of did like intertextual <laughs> stuff yeah, yeah. with your other books with like the book blurbs. So, but I'll let you kind of explain <laughs> um, what was going on there. Yeah, no, uh, you
1: yeah, know we're good friends and, and it was a lot of fun. but I think uh, I think we sort of both joined Twitter around the same time and uh, you know we have a similar background and in being interested in a lot of the same kind of writing. Uh so we just ended up like following the same people or seeing each other show up. Uh and then I think um he I, I have some music on the on the internet and he found it uh and liked it and like bought the digital version of it. Um mm-hmm. and I offered to send him a cassette and he's like, I live in the UK, don't spend twenty-eight dollars to <laughs> send me a piece of plastic, uh-huh. I'm not gonna listen to Uh so we just started talking there, and then that was around when um yeah, so we just got talking then and and uh he wanted to start neutral spaces uh and um because we talked a lot about how all these writers are publishing a lot and doing great things but there's like very little record of it online um you know a lot of authors don't have author sites and stuff like that so mm-hmm. um he wanted to uh, you know, make this website to host these little pages for people, especially for authors that he liked a lot. Um, so we just talked like sort of in terms of scheming is how I like to put it, like these project ideas. And uh, so I was sort of around and involved in helping like test <laughs> and experiment with all these little ideas he had for neutral spaces. And then for like a, like maybe a year or two, there was this sort of bloom of a bunch of people getting on board and, and having a lot of fun. You know, there was like a chat room, we started the blog uh with invites and, and people would, would experiment there and there was a this collaborative writing space called the stream where a lot of people would jump in and just sort of add anonymously content um and so we just had a basically just had twitter group chats and direct messages and stuff uh just you know talked about normal life and writing and what we're reading and what we like and didn't like and all that so uh Um, yeah I think that's where collaboration comes from when you're just friends with someone with similar interests so basically when um, my book uh, 50 barn poems is coming out we were laughing a lot about the idea of blurbs and like getting blurbs and Mm -hmm. who to ask and uh, what people would write or what they would say and um, yeah I think he just liked the idea of like this set of 50 things about one topic and he sort of ran with the joke and wrote this 50 barn blurbs. <laughs> uh, and then we pitched it to Clash and said, can we just print 50 of these for the pre-order? And they are like, yeah, sure. Um, and then when his book Chainsaw Poems and Other Poems came out, I, I returned the favor. So I wrote Chainsaw <laughs> Blurbs and Other Blurbs, which is another book of mm-hmm. 50 <laughs> blurbs about his book.
0: Yeah, I love that. And so did the 2 Billion Shirts book, Was that did that come after the blurb yeah. books? Um, so tell me a little bit about that well I guess what I'll say is so I, I read it and when I was reading it so this is kind of like it's like a book and it's like a back and forth of like sentence fragments yeah. there's like some complete sentences but kind of sentence fragments and like the logic of it's kind of funny mm-hmm. to see like where one thing goes to the next and then um, when I was reading it I was like this book feels like two guys on a, on a Google Doc like, <laughs> everyone that's what I felt yeah. and then I got to the back and like there's that manifesto yeah. in the back that talks about like, like um, how the book was done and why you re- like self-published it, like why you released it the way you did. And it mentioned like doing yeah. it on a, on yeah. a Google doc. <laughs> so I was like proud of myself yeah, for sniffing out. out the, <laughs> the <laughs> process there. But yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you would talk a bit about kind of that book and then also like the manifesto at the end. Uh,
1: yeah, sure. You know, so we just have, uh, yeah, we've always sort of enjoyed like doing little collaborative things or like riffing on things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that started, I think like around the time, uh, $50,000 by Andrew Weatherhead came out. Um, you know, a lot of people were talking about it cause it's a great book. And also, um, but part of what we thought was funny was all the like press surrounding it was people saying, this is a. Um, it's like a book length poem that's, um, it's like really short lines that are like triple spaced. And that was like a big thing. And we kept talking about how much space there was on the page <laughs> and it was sort of, yeah, this semi plotless fragmentary kind of, kind of thing. Um, you know, we liked it a lot, but we just thought that it was like funny messaging and we we're like, we should write a, a triple spaced, uh, fragmentary poem <laughs> book like that. And then it started as a joke, but then we just really did it and like spent a lot of time on it, <laughs> and, you know, but, um, work on it and edit it together and all that. Um, and around then Giacomo had been like sort of, I guess he wasn't really fulfilled by the experience of publishing his book of poetry, mm-hmm. uh, and like the promotional aspect of it and the idea of like books being perpetually something that you have to promote. And so, he's mm-hmm. um, like, you know, so we started scheming like we usually do, but about how we would put it out, and so, you know, one idea is just to make like very limited copies or make like way too many copies or just put it for free on the internet. Um, or like try to, for a while, we were talking about doing a pre order, but not saying anything about what the book actually was. Just say like <laughs> the dimensions of it, and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, what we ended up doing is just putting all the text on this website and then making, um, basically, we did pre orders for like, I don't know, like three or four weeks and then printed. Just about that many copies, plus a couple more, uh, and just sent them to the people who ordered them. And then to make it a little more exciting, to buy the thing, we wrote like I don't know how many twenty blurs in, in the fashion world uh-huh. books and then the <laughs> little manifesto.
0: So tell me a little bit about like the process of doing collaborative work or like mm-hmm. that book with him. You mentioned you know like getting like starting as a joke, but kind of getting more serious about it, and then editing it together. Yeah. You know. I think that can be a big challenge for a lot of people who are so used to editing their own stuff by themselves or, or like working with an editor on their own thing. Yeah. But what's it kind of like, at least in this case, you know, double editing a book and, you know, <laughs> making sure that edits are making both people happy.
1: Yeah, it was good. I think it helps that we're, you know, we're both pretty relaxed about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the, the editing part was relatively minimal. I think basically like in the process of writing, I think we had an agreement not to, or maybe we both decided not to really tamper with any other with a line that you didn't write yourself and just try to mm-hmm. like um extend interesting things that you saw. So most of the time in contributing to it, I would just sort of scroll around randomly and see something that you'd written and then try to react to it or or extend it mm-hmm. or um reference it again later. And that's sort of sort of like so. I think we just did that. Um yeah, sort of s- spot checking based like. Yeah, it was all just sort of in our heads. And then there's like a mix of discovery writing plus, yeah, you don't really know what the other person's going to add and uh-huh. uh, challenging yourself to like fully accept it and say, yeah, this is great. We're going to, we're going to add mm-hmm. it uh, and, and do something to it. And then the editing was like, we just sort of, we just like back and forth. Like we should, and I guess maybe this is a quirk for my personal editing process, but like once I have an idea of a structure or a a constraint that I want to make sure like it's pretty consistent with that. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of at that point is like making sure all the, um, all the verbs are like gerunds or whatever, like Mm -hmm. it's all in the same Mm -hmm. uh, progressive tense Uh, and then like the formatting and quotes and stuff. But yeah, we didn't really like cut much or um, do anything drastically. It's pretty like relaxed, which I think is one of the best approaches to anything you could have. Yeah. And like the stakes we, were low. Like you know, there's no advance, there's no marketing budget. We didn't give a shit. We sold like 30 of them yeah. like, you know, <laughs> at a loss. So we can do mm-hmm. whatever we wanted.
0: So, I mean, you seem pretty relaxed, I think as well, <laughs> like on the page, um, like, well one on the page but also in like your approach mm-hmm. i think to kind of writing in literature so like let's talk about 50 barn poems yeah. which you mentioned you know was the idea just as simple as hey, i'm gonna write 50 barn poems <laughs> like here's my constraint for myself and i'm just gonna do it or were you just like fucking around and then you're like hey i got like 60 barn poems and cut it down to 50
1: yeah it's a it's a good story a good question i think it's kind of a funny story but um yeah i'm in a i'm in a group chat with jacqueline and a couple other people Um, And one of them is Mike Andrelzik, who's uh, one of my favorite poets. Um, And I forget, like, so what we do sometimes is just, like, riff on an idea or, you know, Mike will most often, like, put some really sort of jokey poem into the chat and then we can laugh about it. Um, But I think they're all pretty great poems. I just want to shout out Mike. Everyone should buy his books. Uh, But at some point, yeah, we were just riffing. And then I wrote something that would end up becoming one of the barn poems. Um, mm-hmm. and then I think when I wrote it I laughed about it and then Mike was like hey you should write 49 more of those and you got a book <laughs> and I said okay I'll just do that <laughs> and, and uh <laughs> sort of cranked it out and um, yeah so that, was, that so it started with the, with the constraint that it would have to be barn poems and have to be 50 of them um, uh-huh. and yeah I ended up writing a lot more and then cutting a bunch and then uh, merging a bunch of the ideas into mm-hmm. the, sort of those uh, numbered section poems and send it out and there it was yeah it was was a really quick (laughs) quick and dirty and fun thing i didn't want to overthink it i didn't want to like um yeah that was part of the 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 fun for me is that it was kind of so stupid that it might be good and then i i thought it turned out well
0: yeah it it works it's like in some (laughs) ways like a poem and a joke in its form like there's a lot of relation there but i think in particularly in your work you can see how a poem and a joke's form can be very similar yeah
1: no yeah i I would agree i think they're oftentimes i think jokes and poems are trying to do the same thing we're trying to surprise to get an emotional reaction out of you in in a sort of tight format yeah
0: yeah and i think like you know, when I was reading it, it felt very much I could feel the the play within it. Like mm-hmm. they're like exercises in um and like sense of humor. <laughs> in a way like like how far can you push this kind of this kind of voice and like approach that it's like you feel the same voice and approach in each poem, mm-hmm. but like the surprise is like you're not sure like exactly how you're gonna do it or how you're yeah, gonna it
1: approach it. I think for me a lot of the humor in so I didn't like necessarily approach it thinking like this is gonna be a bunch of jokes that'll like make people laugh. But the most important thing was sort of making myself laugh, doing it. And a lot of that is the was the approach to the larger idea of it. Like it's uh I, I think it came together well sort of like as a challenge to people to say like take this book seriously because it's it does a lot of really dumb shit and it's small and it's got this like a uh, stupid gimmick to it. It's got way too many uh, blurbs in the front that are like
0: <laughs> yeah, but, legitimate. but but it's like its own piece. Yeah,
1: and so I think that's what I mean. Like it all sort of like came together to, and I think Elizabeth Allen had a good blurb on it where she's like, I can't really tell if this is making fun of poetry or books, <laughs> uh, and that's what uh-huh. she liked about it. And I think that was a good
0: that's a good blur <laughs> yeah it, it, <laughs> it's like some of it's so um, deadpan mm-hmm. like in voice and it's like the deadpan humor you know like yeah. when someone with a deadpan delivery is telling you a joke sometimes you can't tell if it's a joke or right. not and that's the joke <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I don't think that's every one of your poems but like there's stuff in, in that book where I, I felt like that. And I also see it in, mm. uh, everything is totally fine mm. where there's like, it's usually some of those more like really short pieces. Like we're like, it's so like, it's so short and so simple that the sentences are simple. The concepts are simple, but like you kind of get to the end and you're like, Wait what? <laughs> and like, and then you like kind of go back and read it again, and it's different than like I think those really short ones are different in the way they work from some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. But I definitely um, felt that sense of humor like translate from one book into the next. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Into those pieces, like do you do you, <laughs> do you kind of see yourself that way as a writer at all? Like almost as like one of those stand-up comics who just kind of have like a, a deadpan delivery? Because I do feel like stand-up is influential mm-hmm. to the work, at least to me. Like, do you find that as well or do yeah. you not usually listen to stand up? Uh, you know, I think it's a good observation.
1: I don't, so you asked the question about like, if that's sort of my intentional approach or branding, I don't really know. Maybe, I guess so. Um, I, I do think of the books. Yeah. I think everything is totally fine. It's sort of an extension of, um, wanting to scratch a similar itch that I was getting out of the DuBarn poems, especially the sense of, um, trying to, uh, write stories that didn't feel like stories or sort of asking you to, uh, I don't really know how to put this without sounding like super pretentious. Cause I'm obviously not the first person to like think this way or try to write stories like this, but I, I enjoy the idea of like someone who takes themselves really seriously as a poet, reading 50 barn poems and feeling like i'm making fun of them and then (laughs) but while i'm but in a way where i'm not like a non-poet just sort of like punching down like it's it's poetry that doesn't take itself too seriously it sort of challenges you to to not take it so seriously too and and then with everything that's totally fine it's sort of an extension into the story realm i don't know if i could really keep it up for a book but uh you know i'm trying like for a novel
0: uh, is what I like <laughs> oh, to say. yeah. But, like, a, like a sustained yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think it works in like that. Yeah, for sure. It like works in in the way like a collection is kind of like modulated and stuff yeah, like nice. that. But you asked about stand-up. And I think, yeah. yeah,
1: like as a kid, I watched a lot of stand-up. I haven't really watched any stand-up comedy in like, I don't know, 10 years. I don't really know what the state of stand-up comedy is now.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, no, me neither. But
1: I was... Uh, I was talking to another author, Blake Middleton, and he mentioned the book reminding him of sketch comedy, like the Eric Andre show. Uh, And I think that was a pretty good um, reference point to make. Cause yeah, I definitely, I really like uh, a lot of sketch comedy or the idea of sketch comedy, like these little nuggets of a sort of absurd idea um and some of the most effective ones are the most short ones uh -hmm. and they're sort of at least like um i don't know there's a lot of different types of of sketch comedy but the ones that i like the most are you know in that vein of alternative comedy where it's it's funny but not for traditional reasons where you're like satirizing a type of person or, or making like a pop culture like pop uh joke about politics or something, like something a little bit more Mm -hmm. interesting. So, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely been like as much of an influence on my writing as like other writing (laughs) has been.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, like one thing that's really interests me about your writing is because like on the surface, it feels cast off, Mm. like effortless, but I feel like I can (laughs) tell and you can, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like everything is so tight that it's, it's like you work to create that illusion Mm -hmm. in a sense that like, (laughs) it it looks and feels effortless, but there's something about the sentences where I get the feeling like when you write a piece, you just, you start with a sentence and then you go to the next sentence, but you, you won't leave a sentence until, Mm -hmm. you know, like you've got it tight and don't need to go back to it like it's clear enough and and i think maybe more importantly in writing like it has energy like to me every sentence in your work has energy Thank um and is that something that 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 you would agree with like do you do you think like you you work a little to kind of create that illusion of maybe simplicity or like effortlessness but (laughs) and but but do you really like work at at your sentences a lot like i suspect uh
1: yeah that's funny that I guess, yeah, I don't know how to respond to the uh, the question of, do you want to come off as it being effortless? I, I like that kind of question. Um, I don't know. I can't say like, yeah, I, I worked a lot on it. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of editing that went in. Um, yeah, like a lot of pieces went through a lot of, like everything's been pretty edited, like honed mm-hmm. in. Um, but I think part of that energy comes from like at a certain point, uh recognizing that it was a collection and then i wanted to have sort of a cohesive sense across it so i had the benefit of taking the editorial process from one story to the next um to sort of like align them uh i think Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of collections out there where someone's just like this is just all the stuff i wrote between these two years and it doesn't really make much sense as a Mm -hmm. as a collection but like coming out of barn poems like i think a a collection book, especially of poems or stories, I think has to have like a has to act as a as a unit itself um, Mm -hmm. and sort of have a central thesis, even if it's not super clear what that is. Like to the reader, I think it it there's definitely a difference if you have that. Uh, yeah. yeah or, so. or like a, like a unified,
0: like a unified aesthetic yeah. kind of where, where like, you feel like while things change throughout the collection, like it's coming from one controlling consciousness yeah. and, and kind of like the same access point.
1: Yeah. It felt important to me. Yeah. To be like, you know, it's, this is a, this is a book. Like this is an object itself. It's not just a, uh, like a survey, of my many talents or whatever. I don't think that's super interesting. (laughs) I'd rather Mm -hmm. it be like a singular experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And kind of with that, I also like, I think speed is um, a big facet of your work too. And I think some of it is from the arrangements of sentences, like sentence types where like, you almost always will start with like a a short, simple sentence, not all the time, but like a short, simple sentence. Mm -hmm. And then like, sometimes you'll like roll like short, simple, and then, and then, and then you'll like, you know, change it and stuff, but it gets so fast. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) your prose, um, like seems to accelerate. Like, so when you're, when you're, maybe when you're writing or, or when you're editing or both, you know, is speed something that's on your mind or do you think that's just kind of like a natural Byproduct of the way that you write.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh I think it was intentional here. Yeah, I definitely liked the effect of a lot of short sentences in like these blocks of paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Like there's very few paragraph breaks, very few like traditional broken mm-hmm. up. Um I think for me a lot of the juxtaposition and events sort of take on a a, a a more a, a different experience, like if they're presented very quickly in in, in, in these orders, um, and it was also sort of like going back to that challenge of like, I don't, I don't really see much of a purpose in like showing off that I can write a good sentence. I don't think that's a very right. really like exciting goal. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to see like, hey, look at my really cool metaphor and <laughs> my you know whatever. So uh, I think those are sort of a natural. Consequent, Yeah.
0: And then you're just kind of like in the editing, you're just r- kind of ramping up what you're already doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like a lot of the editing is, is I, uh, is for, for pacing and, and for transitions. You know, I think it's, mm. um, you know, like very first drafts of a lot of these things will spend, you know, too many sentences on one idea and then not enough on the next one or the transition isn't too clear or the transition is too obvious or, you know, something like that. So yeah, a lot of it's like sanding down, I guess, to, to make it smooth.
0: Yeah. And I feel like part of that, I think kind of speaks to the kind of work you do where it's like, as a reader, the momentum's not from like, you don't want to turn pages necessarily. Like there's Mm -hmm. plot, like not to say there's not, but like I think what's compelling you to turn the page is not necessarily the plot I think it's the point of view and the style Mm -hmm. that somehow creates the momentum and gets you, um, to want to turn the page. And I think it's the same way with like, you know, like your first sentences where like you read one of your first sentences and like, you want to get to the next one, (laughs) um, in a way that I feel like you seem to be very good at like writing a first sentence that moves you to the next one. And like (laughs) when I was looking at it, it's like sometimes it's like the simplicity of the sentence that does that, where like you're giving enough information to make you interested, but not nearly enough to, to like read the sentence and be like, okay, I understand that sentence. Like you really want to get to the next one to see where you're going. And like, sometimes in a comical way, yeah. like one of the pieces starts with like my favorite first sentence in a way is the one that's just like, we were in a place or like something like that. And you're like, oh, come on. Like I have, like, it's like, it's almost, I felt like you were laughing at me, yeah. like giving me like the simplest sentence you could possibly give me. And then being like, you're going to go to the next one. Yeah, like. Good, <laughs> good, <yeah. laughs> uh, but, you know, like when you write a first sentence, you think like the sentence you start with is is going to often remains the first sentence? Mm. Or in your process, do you sometimes not start with the sentence you think you're going to start with? Yeah,
1: interesting. I think this maybe ties back to your impression on like them being sort of like dashed off. But no, I think, it. you know, like I put a lot of care into like, figuring out the idea of the story and then how to how to best serve it. And that can include the first sentence. But, you know, I, in, in other ways, um, like speaking of first sentences, one of my favorite and stupidest jokes in the book joke and like quotes or whatever, it's not a joke, book, mm-hmm. but you know, like something that made me laugh to include was there's a story about being, uh, a, a bank teller at a bank and uh-huh. then doing things related uh-huh. to being a bank teller at the bank, like throwing money around and getting fired. Mm-hmm and then towards the end of the book there's a story that starts with i was a bank teller at a bank and then the rest of the story has nothing to do with being a bank teller and i, I guess maybe it's like what i wanted to try to do in the composition of the book and the stories themselves was reflect this theme of like purposelessness and absurdity and then mm-hmm. in the structure of the stories themselves because it's really whatever you want it to be in a story and that's part of the fun like I think a lot of people are too self-conscious to write something that can be misinterpreted as stupid. Uh Uh, (laughs) I I think a lot of people are, and maybe I'm projecting, but I think a lot of people want to be taken seriously as writers, even if they're writing something that is supposed to be fun. They're worried about people thinking that they're bad writers or that they're stupid or they don't know enough. So leaning into decisions, that are as stupid as possible i think was really empowering (laughs) to me like it made me excited about writing and it made the book make a lot more sense because yeah sort of reflecting like this just feeling about the world (laughs) and
0: everything else yeah and like like i said like there there is like plot like things happen and so, very absurd things sometimes there's a lot of penis in the book there, there's, yeah, there <laughs> yeah. there, there's a lot of penises guy waving one around and one of the stories like that's kind of the plot it's yeah. like, <laughs> and i felt like you know kind of as a writer uh, like an impulse to like steer into the absurd like as you're kind of in the momentum of sentences like in a way like looking looking for it and then like when it appears to you like just going right at it like without over overthinking of it do you do you feel that that sense in your work too yeah where like yeah, where you're kind of yeah. at the wheel and i'm yeah. like let's where can we go
1: yeah yeah it's yeah exactly like it's i really did spend a lot of time figuring out like especially as a process for figuring out where to go next in the story like what's the stupidest thing that could happen or what's like the, <laughs> the worst way to end a story um and yeah just and then just doing that just, just following whatever idea popped in or um you're know, like having some ideas of like wouldn't it be really great if a story ended by telling you that I'm not going to tell you the rest because it's a long story. Like that would be really funny. (laughs) And then finding a a story that I'd already been working on, so we're working that into it. Like that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So the answer is yes. I I think that was was a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then like the structure of the book, like it's like in three sections, and and I feel like kind of some of the unifying principle of that is like around point of view, where like the whole first sections, you know, and first, and then like the whole. And then there's a couple pieces where you think it's in third. And then like you do the little magic trick at the end yeah. and and it's and it's in first. Um and then this and then that middle section's like all in third. And then the um, third section goes back to first. Yeah. Though you got it's it. it's Preceptive. almost yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's almost like in that third section too, where almost at least in some of the earlier ones, it feels like you're doing that thing where you're like you're playing with is this in third or is this in first where yeah. like the yeah. I isn't as pronounced maybe as some of the first section, but, um, but then there's pieces that are more pronounced like yeah. that too. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I'm glad you picked up on that. That was definitely the, the section. Yeah. The division.
0: Yeah. And I like I like that a lot too. Cause each section kind of had its unit and, and it's like, I don't know. I, I like when third gets sprinkled into collections too, but I also just, I don't know. I just really liked the idea of splitting it like that
1: yeah I feel like I've read a lot of collections where yeah like you're right it'll be like 60% first person and then a couple of third persons and maybe they'll change the gender of the character and then there's like one second person like for no reason and yeah it just yeah this kind of goes back to my sense of like this is me Proving to you that I'm a writer. See, I can do it. I can do a first-person story. story. I can do a second-person story. I can do a third-person story. I can do a story in the past. I can do a story in the present. Mm-hmm. And it
0: just seems so stupid of me to like to see that. So yeah, and like and the points of view, like when you're in first, like you inhabit a lot of a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, but I think like coming from like you, like the central consciousness, like each person's kind of like views the world in like a similar way, like the way that you're inhabiting them. <laughs> I, I really feel like more so, I mean, I think it's like this with the third pieces too, but with your work, I really feel a performance like on the page. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're, as an actor, you talk about like playing a part and like in your writing, I feel like in the first person you're you're playing... Like I don't know, like keyboard playing. Like you're playing, you're playing the part, and you're like stretching the limits of like who this character is and like what the point of view will reveal about itself.
1: Yeah, I think that's accurate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Would you like speak to that a little bit? Like when you approach a page, like do you already know like the the character or mind you're trying to inhabit, or do you think it kind of just comes yeah, as the sentences question. come?
1: I definitely, in I definitely do a lot of. Uh, discovery writing i don't know if that's the right term but starting with like an image or an idea yeah, i get like it I mean, yeah, so that yeah, works <laughs> sort of seeing what it keeps out at you as you're putting it down and then and that probably is what like how it filters to the final form like what pops into your head while you're doing it and then leaping towards that and then not worrying about like the transitions originally uh like in that mm-hmm. process because i think like if you focus too much on like filling in the gaps then you lose that energy you have about what could happen next or you just like forget what you thought of Uh, but yeah like yeah I'm glad you you said that about the play thing and the acting thing because I think like it it maybe goes back to other stuff I've said but like I don't have too much of an interest in like writing these really realistic characters to like show off my deep understanding of humanity or whatever (laughs) Uh, you know I want it to be an interesting story because it's a, a story that I, Wrote like it's a written story, like mm-hmm. I, don't, I I
0: yeah. You're very aware. Like I think your work is very aware that it's writing. Yeah, like, and I and I like that about it. <laughs> like you know, like one of my favorite sentences in the whole thing. I can't. I couldn't tell you what the sentence is, but I can tell you it's my favorite because of where it goes. Where it goes. Where it goes. Like you start the sentence and you and like in the middle of it, you're like, I don't know, whatever makes the sentence work. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I know like. I think there's like two camps of readers. There's like people who live for that kind of shit. (laughs) And then people are like, I don't want to see your thinking Mm, on the page. And and I understand that too, but I think it depends on the work. yeah,
1: And what you're trying to do or what, you know, what value you want to put forth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like in yours, like I loved those instances (laughs) of kind of, of thinking on the page and like calling yourself out for writing a piece and a piece of fiction, which is, (laughs) you know, which is exactly what. Which is exactly what you're doing. You.
1: Yeah. I, again. Yeah. I just think that's like, that was just what was interesting me to do while writing it. I, I, yeah, I, I feel like I don't see it too much. Uh, or like a lot of people's like, Oh, that's like a postmodern thing. And we don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Or like you know,
0: <laughs> you'd be like, "No, man, it's post postmodern," yeah, right, right. and I'm just ahead of you.
1: <laughs> it just yeah, like these like you know, I don't really engage much with the literary criticism or analysis right. or whatever. But like, it feels to me from the outside like there was a period of time where people were trying to have more fun with like yeah, this that's that's what postmodernism is known for. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm writing a story. I know I'm writing a story, but and I think maybe the most popular authors who were doing that like get this rap of like being silly or clever or like it being sort of predictable where you're like, Oh, how many more times can you tell me that you're reading a book, uh, that I'm reading mm-hmm. a book or whatever. And so I think people sort of shied away from that or got into different approaches of, of postmodernism where it's like, I'm going to make the book look different. And like, that's sort of my contribution.
0: Um, mm-hmm. and
1: I just thought, yeah, like it basically that, that reaction against postmodernism to me felt like, uh, like it, it closed off a lot of stories that could be told that, you know mm-hmm. you, you can't it's no longer cool or, or acceptable or like career worthy to you know s- say something really stupid in the story and I don't <laughs> want it I don't care about having a career I don't care about winning an award or whatever so uh, that's the story that I wanted to write and
0: so what are you working on now what, what are you doing <laughs> Um, I've got a few things I've been
1: working on but i uh my home life has been pretty full and complicated, mm-hmm. lately, so I haven't really spent too much time on them um i have a uh, I have a good chunk of a novel down um I want it to maybe be about twice as long as it is now uh how
0: long is it now? It's
1: like twenty five thousand words um, that's perfect. That's- <laughs> <laughs> no, there's some gaps <laughs> I have yeah. to fill it in. <laughs> um, so that's been, uh, uh, so that's what I'm trying to think about more. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it includes like some chunks of things that i published online before and, and trying to mm-hmm. re-fit them into into this narrative. And then, um, so you mentioned about 50 barn poems. I uh, At some point, I think 20, 2020 or 2019, I'm trying to remember now. No, yeah, like early 2020, I um, I offered to write a barn poem for someone if they donated to a certain charity, uh, $5 to a charity. And the number of donations meant that I had to write like 70 barn poems. So <laughs> I technically have like, <laughs> a lot more. I'm not really sure what it so, so yeah, so. is. So 101 barn poems is going to get reissued one day. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm trying with the idea of doing like a 50 barn poems, too, just because that's a really stupid yeah. name.
0: Fifty more
1: bars. That's what you'd you'd expect. That's where you get Mm. like that little wedge in more in between the things. So the idea of of having a number on both sides of the (laughs) the words would be funny. Uh, (laughs) But I don't know, that might be too much of a gimmick.
0: I don't know. Well, you know what? I think it's kind of interesting to talk about that though. Like how much is too much of a gimmick and how much of a gimmick (laughs) is like perfect launching point to do something yeah more interesting like because i mean that's something i think you've said a couple times where like you're like maybe it's too much of a gimmick or or something like that um how do you kind of like in your head you know like manage that like i kind of feel the same way like i love a gimmick to to a point but there's like that and then there's like a fine line where like sometimes my favorite things in the world start with like just the right right amount of gimmick Yeah, and then but other times like there's just too much of it what yeah. do you think there's what do you think that line is or is it just intuitive
1: yeah no that's a good question I think I I think about it a lot in terms of like what I actually put out there or publish um, so yeah it's definitely like on my mind a lot like I have a lot of stuff written that is probably never going to like see the light of day just because I can't figure out a way to make it make sense as like a collection or where it fit in right. with everything else and yeah I'm with you like I think like we, I think we all have a sense of where we would draw the line for gimmick. Like I could come up with a bunch of anecdotes or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff people put out where like the, the gimmick is that it's like based on a, a like a meme that's popular right now or like a, or like a, an expression or like a TV show or something. And this do not interest mm-hmm. me as much, but like I get, like I understand the, the motivation there. Um Yeah. I think like, I, th- I think for me, a, a gimmick works if it's sort of inexplicable and, uh and then, yeah, you don't want to like overdo it. Like I, Like a a few people I've talked to, like for the first time, they'll be like, oh, are you the barn poet? And I'm like, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) um, which is like kind of funny, but also kind of like, I don't want to be pigeonholed as like this guy who thinks it's just so fucking funny to write poems about barns. Like 50 is probably just enough. And I don't really need to (laughs)
0: revisit that. Uh, Fine. Well, I guess there's no (laughs) reissue. Yeah. No,
1: I, I mean, but then also part of me is like, it'd be funny then. Yeah. if What if I did like really over the top? Like we just put out like a box set and then, you know, it's got a whole like box and there's the reissue of the blurbs and, and like a <laughs> B-sides and rarities, barn poems collection and yeah. all the other stuff. Yeah.
0: You know, it's, it's like those jokes that are like really funny and then they keep going and then they're not funny anymore. But if it keeps going, it's funny again. (laughs) I think that, I think that that kind of experience, like you were saying, like does have a lot to do with gimmicks. Cause it's, it's either got to, it's either got to be just a little or it's got to be way too much. (laughs) And then like somewhere in between, like it kind of gets lost of like what the maybe what the purpose is or or what function it serves, I guess. I
1: think like people project a lot. They evaluate things based on if they think like the intention behind it is good or bad, or if they think like the creator is like smirking about it or like trying to show off how clever they are. And yeah, I think that's the, that's something you get into if you try to like lean into a gimmick tomorrow and like, yeah, I don't want to be branded as the guy who thinks is yeah super clever to write poems about Barnes. Like it was mm. sufficient for me to be like, I, I think like inexplicable is a word I go back to a lot for things that really appeal to me at least when reading. Like I really like stories where something inexplicable happens. I really like stories where there are themes uh, or experiences that don't make a lot of sense, but like aren't necessarily jarring in that sense. Mm-hmm. For me, what I like about all the books that i've put out is that they're not necessarily reducible to like these predictable formats or jokes like even in barn poems there's like real poems or like weird images that aren't all necessarily funny um that like but then including them in a stupid book like maybe that's also funny like <laughs> the second
0: layer to it yeah <laughs> my conversation with Zach Smith go grab a copy of Everything is Totally Fine and follow Zach on Twitter at ZachSmithTweedo don't forget we're launching Autofocus Books this year with six new titles check it all out at autofocuslit.com books and our first one Mike Nagel's Duplex is out next week so be on the lookout for that and that's it thanks for listening Till next time